Let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. We're moving right along in our study in Colossians. And uh, we've been looking at family relationships, wives and husbands and children and fathers and God's plan for all these. And uh, we, you can grab a CD if you would like to listen to any of those or watch online. We've got videos online now for those things. Um, following on from there, though, Justin had talked previously about work relationships, about being a good worker there in the last part of chapter 3. And then in chapter 4, it says, Masters, verse 1, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So really, how this applies to us really is for bosses, those who, uh, who are in charge of others, to do what's right and fair. And I want to just point out, I'm going to really focus on the next section here today, but he's not condoning slavery at all. Rather, for the Christian, he's talking about in whatever situation you find yourself in, that you serve the Lord Jesus, no matter what situation you're in. And, and uh, you know, it was, a, it was a crazy time back then. There, you know, in, the, in Rome and in there were, you know, some 60 million uh, in that day, 60 million uh, people who were slaves. Many of them had sold themselves to pay debts. So, but Christianity, it's been proven over and over again, Christianity can transform the world, and it has changed the world, and it has radically changed the world even in that uh, aspect. So today, today I want to look at verses uh, 2 through 6, really about prayer and about witness. So let's, let's read those verses together. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Right after all these things about family relationships and work and, and other kinds of relationship, he goes right into prayer. And I, and I don't think that is an uh, accident. I think for all those things, we need to pray. For In all those situations, we need to pray. We need to, to ask God to help us in all those situations. As I mentioned about marriage situations, without prayer, and this is what uh, our guest speaker talked about last night, one of the points that Don hit was we need to be praying. We need to ask God to help us as, and, and get started uh, somewhere, even if it's just a simple hold hands and say, God help us. Well, let's pray and ask God to help us. This word devote means, uh, means to be earnest towards. It means to persevere and to be constantly di diligent. So he's talking about here about consistent, persevering prayer. And I had to think about that. I said, you know, is that you or me? Are we, is that really who we are and where we are? Well, that, obviously that's why he's telling us that we need to be that way. And we can all grow in that area. But I want to say to you today that prayer works and prayer definitely changes things. But if we don't pray, guess what? Things don't change. If we don't ask, what did James tell us? We don't have. You have not because you ask not, James says in James chapter 4, verse 2. I want to turn back to <clears throat> turn some different passages. Luke chapter 18, first of all, though. Luke chapter 18, in, <clears throat> in verse 1, Luke... He says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's what Jesus was trying to, the message he was trying to get across to them. This is what Paul is trying to get across to us in Colossians, that we should always pray and not give up. Don't give up praying. He said there was in a certain town, there, a, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time, he refused. 
But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find you and I praying night and day and not giving up? I don't know what's going on in your life, but I, I do know that you and I need to pray. Whatever that situation is, maybe it's one of the relationships that we've been talking about. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's just something within yourself that you need help with. You need to pray and ask God to help you. Devote yourself. Be earnest in it. Persevere in it. There's all different kinds of prayer. Of course, we know that. And in Ephesians, it says that we should pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And he says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So there's lots of different kinds of prayer, lots of ways that God has given us. The, the uh, little uh, thing that I have for, for prayer to kind of know the different types is C-A-T-I-P. There's no N in there. It's not catnip, although <clears throat> I think, you know how catnip kind of gets cats crazy and, and they like respond to it. Well, I think there's something about God. It's not really like catnip. This is kind of stretching the analogy just a little bit. But, but God, He loves to hear us pray. He loves to hear us bring our needs and our requests to Him. It's just like it's incredible for Him. He says, I, 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 I'm listening, I'm waiting, I want to hear from you. So for the CATIP, we have confession, we have adoration, we have thanksgiving, and we have intercession. And then at the very end, petitions, where we pray for stuff for ourselves. We kind of usually get that mixed up, though, don't we? We put the petitions for ourselves first, and then maybe if we don't fall asleep, as we're going to see in this passage in Colossians, we'll get to some of the other stuff. But really, it, it really needs to be the other way around. Confession, we, we, we just get right with God. We adore Him for who He is. We are thankful what, what, what He's already done, what He's going to do. Then we intercede for other people, and we see that in this passage today where we pray for other people as well. And then we make petition. One man said this. He said he tells them to persevere in prayer. And he says, even for the best of us, there come times when prayers seem to be unavailing and to penetrate no farther than the walls of the room in which we pray. How many of you ever feel that way? It's like I'm praying, but it's not like going anywhere. It's just me. It's just that's all. It's not getting to God. But he said this at such a time, the remedy is not to stop, but to go on praying. For in the man who prays, spiritual dryness cannot last. That's when we need to. That's when we need to persevere. That's when we need to keep praying. When we feel like nothing's happening, it's not working. It's, prayer doesn't really work. And, and he says, no. That's when you keep praying. And you'll see God begin to work. God begin to answer. God begin to move in that situation, whatever it is that you might be facing. We studied Philippians not that long ago where Paul said, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You remember that? Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7. He says, In the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, this idea of in everything that we need to pray, all different kinds of prayers, devote yourself to it. Now, you know, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to, you know, um, certain times of the day get down on my knees and, and do certain kinds of things? No, you can pray wherever you are. You can pray all different kinds of prayers no matter where you are, what is, whatever is going on in your life, where if you're at work or if you're driving or you're, or, or you're at home during the middle of the night, during the day, during the morning, during the, during the afternoon. He says here what? Back in Colossians chapter 4 now, verse 2, he says to be watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And literally, literally that word means keep awake. 
Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you have a hard time staying awake when you're praying? Usually that the reason is because um, you're laying down <laughs> and you're praying. It's like you're in bed. You're, I'm going to pray just before I go to sleep. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for like an hour before I go to sleep tonight. You know, you got this idea. And it's like a minute or something. And you just like, and you wake up and like, oh, what happened? Well, he says to be watchful, keep awake. And I think that sometimes we, we, we need to understand that, that we're human. Jesus said, watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. But Jesus had this experience with his disciples. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? When he went up there, right? You remember what happened? He had Peter, James, and John with him. It says they fell asleep. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened with his disciples down there? He said, can't you guys just pray for like five minutes, like a minute? Can you make it like one hour? What did they do? They all fell asleep. He didn't say, you know, he, he, he tried to encourage them, maybe exhort them. You know, you got to try a little bit harder than this. But he didn't condemn them. Like, I'm going to go get some more disciples. You guys are just useless. I'm going to find some people who you know, can handle the demands of this job. So we need to remind ourselves. I think one of the things we, that I read somewhere is that we, we need to pray with our eyes open is kind of what he's talking about here. Pray with your eyes open. Now, somewhere along the line, and this isn't, hasn't always been the case, that we got taught that to pray, you have to close your eyes or prayer is, doesn't work if you don't close your eyes. Like, that, what is that? That's ridiculous. When, you, when I talk to you, if I talk to you with my eyes closed, you'd go like, this guy's like weird, right? If I start talking to you, I'm going like, yeah. You know? I'm going to try that with you people. I'm just, yeah. And then, and then, you know, it's okay to close your eyes. Don't, don't misunderstand me. And the reason, the reason we do that is so that we can stop being distracted by the things around us. That's the reason. But, a lot of times when we close our eyes, it makes us kind of sleepy. It makes us tired. And especially when you're driving, I encourage you to keep your eyes open if you're going to pray when you're driving. It's very, very dangerous. Be devoted to prayer. Don't be afraid to pray. It's just talking to God. It's not, you know, some special little routine or rote thing that you've got to do over and over. Say all your, you know, whatever they call those things. It's talking to God. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful, being vigilant, looking around. I like it when in the book of Nehemiah, you know, they had stuff going on in their lives. And, and, and it says in, in chapter 4, Nehemiah, it says, But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. They didn't just pray, but they also posted a guard. So they, they obviously had their eyes open, and they, have, they, they had their weapons ready, and they were doing what they needed to do, but they prayed too at the same time. You can multitask a little bit, can't you? I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, that women can multitask better than men. Is that true? I'm trying to multitask right now, and I'm having a hard time here, ladies. Read my notes and hear your answer. What did you say? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I heard you. Be devoted to prayer and being watchful and thankful. That last thing he talks about is being thankful. And <clears throat> talked about that in Philippians too, to be thankful. Always being gra you know, having gratitude for all that God's done and all that God will do. I think we're called to be a thankful people. I really do. I read somewhere you know, that someone said there's no use for a grumpy Christian. How many of us are so grumpy? We're not thankful for anything. We're just grumpy. Like, you know, that one of the elves or whatever they were, the 12, what was it? The dwarves, grumpy. There's no, you know, that's, that's like an oxymoron, right? Grumpy Christian. You know, those don't, should not go together, but it's often like what we are. Being thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. 
God, is, God hears your prayers. I want to encourage you for, for whatever it is that, that you need to pray for. God hears your prayers. And, and be thankful that he's listening. And he wants to do something and he will do something. Moving on to verse 3, he says, And pray for us too. Pray for us too. Paul, you see, wasn't afraid to ask for prayer. That's incredible. Paul, this is the, the Paul the Apostle, right? The guy, the guy was amazing. Of course, he would never say that about himself, of course, right? But he was not afraid to ask for prayer. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for prayer, but it's really, really, it's a sign of wisdom, I think. It's a sign of power to ask for prayer. Ask someone to pray for you. Do you have a friend that you can ask to pray for you? Pray with you about something. Do you have uh, someone that you can say, listen, I'm having a hard time with this. Can you just pray for me? If you think about it, pray for me. Someone that you trust. You don't have to put it on your Facebook page. But you can if you're like one of those, you know, let everybody know everything that you want and are doing and struggling with and everything else. Some people are like that. Everybody needs to know. Well, I really don't want to know what you had for lunch today, but... Let someone know. It's not afraid. Don't be afraid to ask for prayer. You know, we, we have people uh, that are available to pray for you after every single service. And, and I think, you know, I, I'm wondering, like, do, do none of these people have any prayer needs? I wonder sometimes because nobody, it, it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel condemned. I'm trying to encourage you that if you have a need, don't be afraid to go and ask someone to pray for you about it. Because there's power in that. Don't let the enemy say, well, you know, I don't want to go tell anybody. Well, you know what? You can even come and say, listen, I have a prayer request, but I really don't want to go into it now. But will you just pray for me right now? And they will. They'll lay hands on you. No. They'll pray for you, though. And, and he says here, Paul says, pray for us. Paul the Apostle wasn't afraid to ask for prayer. Why should we be afraid to ask for prayer? No matter what it is, little, small, Large, in between. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. And it's a sign of power. And the enemy does not want us to tap into that power. He doesn't. He, you know, the, Jesus talked about, he says, where two of you, right, agree together as touching anything that, you know, it'll be done as, as, we, as we agree in prayer, things will happen. Now, what was Paul asking for prayer? Look at, look at verse 3. He says, and, and this is, was his prayer, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. You know, Paul was, uh, he was in prison. He was, he was locked up. He had chains. He was not a free man. He couldn't go out and do anything he wanted to do. He was, he was incarcerated. Now, it wasn't the worst incarceration that he had ever faced, but he was still, he was, he, he was chained up. But it's interesting that Paul asked for prayer. He, his first prayer isn't that he would be set free, that the door would be open for him to be set free, which I think if I was in his position, that's what I would say. My first prayer request would be, get me out of this place. Get those chains off my feet. I want to be a free man. But that's not his prayer request. His first prayer wasn't open that door. His first prayer was that God would open a door for the message that, that he could speak freely right where he was. Right where he was. It's kind of like what I said about the earlier uh, verse, chapter 4, verse 1, that God wants us to serve wherever we are, no matter what the situation is. And we saw... Also in the book of Philippians that people, you know, from Caesar's household were being affected by the gospel while Paul was uh, locked up and being imprisoned. But this prayer of his, and, and that God would open the door, and, and God is the one that does open doors. I, I, I have seen that over and over again, and we need to pray for God to open doors. We need to pray for God to open doors. I don't know what it is in your life or, you know, and I know the things in my life I need to pray that God would open the doors, that God would open the doors. 
So often we just get in there, we want to open them ourselves. We're banging on the doors, we're pushing on them, we're, you know, busting our face against the door. And then we remember, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, I should pray about that. And we pray and God opens the door. Again, it's that scripture from James again. We have not because we ask not. We haven't asked God to open a door. But we need to remember that, that it says in Revelation, this chapter 3, and I know you women are studying in the book of Revelation in the women's study. He says, says this to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Well, let's turn there to Revelation chapter 3 because it's important for us to see those words, to see that this is God's word. We need to become biblically literate. I've heard that, that right now in our society, we're, the, we're so biblically illiterate it's a shame. It's sad from where we used to be, say, 50, uh, 50 years ago. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. It says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. He said, I know your deeds, see. Or look, open your eyes. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, but you have kept, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. He goes on to say some more things. But notice what he says there. When God opens the door, no one can shut it. But when God shuts the door as well, no one can open it, though we try and try and try. But he said to them there, I have set before you an open door. He says, I know that you have just a little bit of strength. You don't, you know, it's not about you. It's about him and what he can do in the situation in your life. Again, I want you to apply this to your life and, and, and think about the doors that maybe you're praying about, maybe that you're asking for. And, and as we turn back to Colossians here, think about the context of what he's praying for, because that's where we're going to end this message in, in about a witness about witness and about uh, the word going to other people around us. But God is the one that opens door, opens doors. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul said, A great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. God opens doors. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And Paul said that even this great and effective door had been opened to him there. He said, but there are many opposed. There are, there are people who weren't happy about it. Just because God opens a door doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect in our lives. But he's the one who makes it effective and great. Paul's prayer, again, back in Colossians, is that, that he would have a door for the message. That God would open a door for the message, our message, so we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And, and that mystery of Jesus Christ, you know, the Bible says that it, it was a mystery, but it is a mystery that has now been proclaimed and revealed. And the mystery is what? It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That He is the way and the truth and the life. And, and as it says in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. No other way. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's no other way. I'm telling you, I, I, I hammer on this so often is because it is, it is the thing that is affecting the church and affecting the world. Now that there really is no you know, standard, there really is no one way to get to heaven. This relative thing, well, whatever you think it is, that's what it is. This relativistic society and, and, and kind of whatever you feel, whatever you hope, whatever you wish for, whatever you want, whatever you think is right, that's right. That's good. That's, that's the way. That's not what the Bible says. That's again, we need to be biblically literate. We need to know what the Bible says. And that's Acts 4.12, that there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is no other way that we're going to get to heaven. To most, it is a mystery, but God has made it clear. And so for you and I to pray for, for open doors, and I think we need to pray for boldness and courage to let people know, you know, I know that maybe you feel that way, but 
But this is what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Let let's God's word speak for itself. This is what Jesus said. I, you know, you have to deal with it for yourself. But, you know, I believe what the Bible says. But this is what the Bible says. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But this idea about praying for open doors with people around us. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, pray. It's kind of interesting. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't just say, you know, pray for us, but he gives some specific things to pray about. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. That, that is the message. Clearly as I should. He says, pray. You know, don't just pray for a new car. Don't just pray for, you know, more food or, or more things. But he says, pray for an open door that, that your life would count, that his life would count, that, that, that he would be able to proclaim that message clearly. And he says, as I should, that's what I should. You and I, it's the same for us. We should be proclaiming that message clearly so that people can understand it, not some kind of garbled up message. And that's why I believe that the gospel message is so simple that we don't have to be, you know, a PhD in theology to understand. The gospel message is very, very simple, that Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead for you and for me. And all we need to do is receive him and believe in him to receive eternal life. That's, what, that's the simple gospel message. You don't need to be a preacher or a pastor or any other kind of thing to be able to share that message. But Paul says, again, even Paul says, the great apostle Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. If he wanted help in prayer to be able to let people know clearly, of course we should too, right? God, help me to share clearly. I want to say to you, I need prayer for that. I need prayer for that. I, 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 I want to be able to proclaim this message clearly that, that all may understand and, and that it's like they come in and go, wow, what in the world was he talking about over there? That place. It, it didn't make any sense. First he's talking with his eyes closed and then, you know, he's speaking some garbled communication. I, I, I want you to pray for me that I would be able to communicate, communicate clearly as I should. And yeah, there's, a, you know, there's places we, again, there's, there's all different places and, and, and avenues of communication. We communicate one-on-one -on -one with our family, with our friends, with the people we work with, that we go to school with. And then we have opportunities where you go and you hear people communicate in a group kind of setting. They're all there in the Bible. And I need help to communicate clearly in this setting, but also in, in personal settings as well. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Again, a little bit um, more about Paul the Apostle. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> In verse 1. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. That's what I want. I think that's what each one of us wants. We don't have to be Billy Graham, Greg Laurie. We just need to be ourselves and, and let people know about Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that He died for our sins. He died for my sin because He loved me so much. That in the end, that, that, that they rest not on some fancy way of speaking that we have, but they rest them, themselves in their faith on God and His Word and what God's Word says. 
That being said, though, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn how to communicate more clearly, as Paul says back in Colossians, that we shouldn't try to, you know, develop a, a, a clearer way of sharing with people. We should. We should. I know that when I first started teaching, too, uh, you know, years and years ago, um, it's scary to think what, you know, it was like back then for the people who were listening. I hope that I've gotten better. Uh, Maybe, you know, if we're not getting better, then we're not growing, we're not learning. You know, we we were... uh, had the huddle back in uh, last October, and one of the pastors there, you know, we've been doing this for a lot of years, and he said to me, he said, I don't want to offend you. He sent me, he sent me an email and says, I don't want to offend you, but I can see that, you know, you're, you're growing in this particular area or whatever. And I go, I said, man, I thought to myself, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? I'm not offended. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed that I was kind of pretty silly back, you know, when I first started, but we, we should be growing and learning, and, and we do that by exercise, right, by learning, by trying, by, uh, by stepping out, by, by, you know, you're not going to always be perfect at it, but I do ask you to pray for me that I would be really bold, and especially here, that I would be consistent, that I'd be faithful, and I would have integrity, and, and always biblical, always biblical, and that, and that I would always give that opportunity to, to receive Jesus Christ because you're not, they're not hearing it everywhere they, they go. Paul said in another place, he said, pray for me, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me. I think this is true as well about sharing with people. We need to pray, God, give me the words. God, help me to know what to say to that person that I want to share with. Because he will. Jesus talked about, you know, that the Spirit would give you the words to say. There was a visitor, I read, I read this uh, Warren, Warren Wearsby uh, wrote this, and uh, by the way, uh, Warren Wearsby, he is just uh, a servant of God. How many of you know who Warren Wearsby is? He's a preacher, he's been on the radio, um, he's 83 years old right now, and uh, believe it or not, I called him up yesterday, and I, uh, speaking about the huddle, and, I, and I, I was calling him to ask him if he would come and speak at our conference, because... He's just, he's just a man of God, and he's so biblical. He's just incredible. So I called him up, and I said, um, you, you know, my name is Mud, and you don't know me. You know, I just told him who I was, and I said, you know, are you still going out and speaking at conferences? And he said, he said you know, he asked his wife, uh, he said, how long has it been since we went out, dear? You know, and it's been nine years since he's been out. And he says, my doctor won't let me go out traveling. No planes, no traveling, no suitcases and all that. But, you know, I talked to this guy on the phone just for a couple of minutes, but he was so sharp. And I thought, you know, you think, well, 83, how sharp is, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, you start to sort of lose touch. Um, I'm almost there. <laughs> but, but he was so sharp, and he remembered, uh, he remembered, um, I heard him speak, uh, I heard some tapes of him speaking at a conference years and years ago, and he remembered, um, he said, oh yeah, that Calvary Chapel, I remember when we got there, he said, and this has got to be like, uh, I'm thinking probably 30 years ago this happened, 20 to 30 years ago, he says, I remember we got there, and when we got, when we got there, the usher said, now do you want to sit in the clapping section or the non-clapping section? <laughs> he remembered that, I mean, I'm going, whoa. Anyways, what, what he said to me, and you know, at the end of our conversation, again, just a short conversation, he, he sounded just like he sounded on the radio. But he said to me, keep preaching the word, brother. Keep preaching the word, brother. That's what, what he said to me. Keep preaching the word. Anyways, he wrote, he wrote this in, in one of his commentaries. He said that there was a visitor 
at Spurgeon's Tabernacle. You all, you all know who Spurgeon is, the, the great preacher in England, in London. And he says he was being shown around the building by Mr. Spurgeon. And he said, and Spurgeon said to him, would you like to see the powerhouse of this ministry? Spurgeon asked the man and he showed him into a lower auditorium. And he said, it is here that we get our power. For while I am preaching upstairs, hundreds of my people are in this room praying. He said, is it any wonder that God blessed Spurgeon's preaching of the word? That's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. I, I, I ask that, you know, you, you don't have to be downstairs praying, but even while you're here, pray. Pray that God's word would be, would be uh, powerful. Pray that it would be effective. Pray that it would go forth. Another thing that he said was this. He said, pray for your pastor as he prepares the word, as he studies and meditates. Pray that the Holy Spirit will give deeper insights into the truths of the word. Pray, too, that your pastor will practice the word that he preaches so that it will be real in his own life. Pray for your pastor. Pray for me. I, I'm not ashamed to say I need your prayers. I, you know, I'm, I'm in way over my head, and I need you to pray for me to do what God wants to do and, and that, that, that God's word would be powerful, would be effective in your life. You know, and again, the, James, you have not because you ask not. You say, well, you know, I, I, well, he's not growing, and I can't understand what he's saying. Well, pray for me that I would grow and that you could understand and I would speak in an understandable way and communicate clearly as I should. I need prayer for that, and, you know, way more than Paul the Apostle ever needed it. So often, and, I, and I've experienced this in my own life, being in places where I'm, you know, I'm complaining and grumbling, and yet when I began to pray, I began to see things happen. I began to understand. It began to make sense. Let's go back to Colossians. He said, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, and then he moves on. And as Warren Wiersbe said to pray for your pastor that you would practice the word. And that's what he goes on to say here. Paul, he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So pray for an open door, but, but also it's not just words, right? It's how you live, too. It's how you live. It's also our lives. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, those that are not believers, our witness. What is our witness like? What is the, the, the coming out of our life? You know, I can get up here and say all kinds of words and, 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 uh, and preach a sermon, but uh, someone said I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I have a confession to make to you. Everybody goes. I sometimes lose patience with customer service. Any of you are in customer service before I continue? <laughs> I know this wouldn't happen with those of you that raised your hand. But sometimes the word customer service, is, that is an oxymoron. I was on the, I was on the phone with, uh, with someone that I will not name. And uh, I was just starting to lose it. And I'm just going, and you know, and this is dealing with church business, you know, our church bank accounts. And, you know, I'm, I'm going like, like they're looking at the top of this page and it says Calvary Chapel. And it probably says down there somewhere, Pastor Rich Chapman. What was your name again, sir? Uh, you know, and I just like, the way, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And, I, and I'm going, I'm just, I got to control myself. I'm about to blow a complete witness out of here. Just blow it. It doesn't matter if I preached a good Bible study the last week, if I blew up now with this customer service pe person, even if they don't have a clue what customer service is. I was talking to Dan Freitas last night, and, and, and our website, you know, they, they made a change, and they migrated from this server over to this server, but they neglected to bring our whole address list over. And so it was basically our, our thing was useless, our, our web, our, our email connection site. 
And, and so he's talking with these customer service, and he, he said that it was just so ridiculous. And he said he was, it was the same kind of thing. He was like trying to control himself. Finally, they fixed it for us. But actions speak louder than words, don't they? Yeah, that's a good saying for us to, to remember. What's my life like? Are people seeing me down at the bar, you know, partying up, and then the next day I'm trying to tell them about Jesus? They're going, whoa, wait a minute. Someone said high talk and low walk. It's not the way it should be, right? High talk, low walk. Be very careful how you live. They need to be consistent. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. We have opportunities, and he's been talking about praying for an open door for, for opportunities, and he says to make the most of every opportunity that you have to redeem the time, to take advantage of that opportunity. But you and I are going to have a hard trouble, hard time taking you know, advantage of any opportunity if we just got through yelling at somebody or if we just got through swearing at them or swearing about this or you know, we're partying or we're doing this or we're doing that or we're looking at this or looking at... You know, it, it, we need to be consistent with who we are in Christ. And then make the most of that every opportunity. Seize the moment. So moving on from that thought to this thought, the idea of seizing the moment, we need to be looking for those opportunities and seizing them when they come along, making the most of every opportunity. We're praying for opportunities, right? We're praying for these opportunities to come, for these doors to open, which I think is, I think is right and good, and we need to do that. We need to pray for these people that we love and care for, pray for an opportunity. Pray for an open door for a message. But then we need to look for the message, right? Or look for the opportunity. Look for that door, and then we need to, to seize that moment. I was speaking with the kids over at the school the other day, and we were talking about temptation, and we're looking at Matthew chapter uh, 4 about the temptation of Jesus, and we talked the... the the key verse for temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, you know, that God is faithful. He will what? Provide a way out. But, but you need to look for the way out, and then you need to take the way out, right? We pray for these opportunities, and then they're open, they open up in front of us, and then fear seizes us rather than us seizing the opportunity. Seize the moment. You know, I, I shared with you that I, that I like to go out to the yard sales. Well, you know, when I'm out on the yard sales, I'm looking for that bargain. I am looking for that bargain. I, I'm looking for that thing that, that I'm going to be on the Antiques Roadshow, and I'm going to be, they're going to say, this is incredible. This has worked like $300,000. Where did you find this? How much did you pay for this? I paid five bucks for that. I'm looking for those opportunities, those moments, that, and when they're, they're there... I'm going to seize it. I'm going to grab a hold of that before the next guy comes along and grabs it, takes it out of my hand. I hate that. You get there right after someone else and they have that thing that you wanted. You would have, I would have bought that. I would have paid more than he paid for it. But he's already got it in his hand. Seize the moment. Grab a hold of it. Be prayed up and be ready. Isn't that what Peter said? He says, always be ready, prepared. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. He says, be ready, be prepared to seize that moment. But again, he talks as well about our lives need to add up or, or they're going to say, I'm not going to hear a word you say because, you know, because of what your life is showing forth. Be prayed up and be ready. This is kind of exciting, really. I mean, this is really exciting in the sense that as we pray for an opportunity and then God opens up this door of opportunity and you and I can say, wow, I'm going to, is this the opportunity, Lord? And then, and then we say, well, what should I say? And God will give you some words. God will give you that opportunity and then he'll give you the words to share. I think a good place to always to start is, is just with our own story. Man, you know what? I was, 
God did a work in my life. God did something for me. I was lost. I was lost. I, was, I had no clue. But God saved me. God did something for me. You don't need to use those kinds of words either. But God did something for my life, and he, you know, he, he loves you too. We were at the huddle, the, uh, not the huddle, but uh, the conference last week up in Boston, and, and one of the speakers ended with this thought, and I thought it was pretty incredible. He was talking about Peter, and he was talking about John the Apostle. And this is a little extra bonus I'm going to throw in for you. No extra charge today. He, he said that Peter, you know, at the end of the gospel, Peter is saying, you know, Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, oh, you know that I love you. You know, but you think back to Peter, you know, and his kind of, you know, the, all the stuff he did. You know that I love you. But, but the, the speaker, it was David Guzik, and he pointed out that, that the one that was writing the gospel, he said like five times, he said about himself, though he didn't mention himself by name, he says, you know, the disciple that Jesus loved. And, you know, we look at that sometimes and we, we talk about, God, he's kind of like, you know, boasting, you know. He's boasting about himself. You know, yeah, I'm the one Jesus loved, you know. I, I kind of leaned back against his chest when we were reclining around the table. And I had that kind of, you know, that special spot. But he pointed this out, and I thought it was very powerful that Peter, you know, was all about, oh, I love you, and, you know, all this, you know, about what he did. But John the Apostle, John, for him it was how much Jesus loved him. That's where it all came from. Man, the one that Jesus loved. I, you know, Jesus loves, he loves me. That's a message that you and I need to focus on and then we can share with people that Jesus loves you. He loves you. Isn't that what most people need? That's what all people need in this world? They know that someone loves them. Finally, verse 6, he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Our speech, our words, full of grace. And we heard about that last week, the grace of God, being trained by the grace of God. That, that, that God so loved the world that he loves you and that he loves me and that it's, it's not by works, it's by the grace of God that he's working in us, his unmerited favor. But he said also with salt, seasoned with salt. And he's not talking about a, a sailor's uh, sort of salty speech. But he's talking about a preservative. He's talking about a flavor enhancer. He's talking about something that makes people thirsty. And again, that, 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 that goes into this whole passage here about not being the grumpy Christian, being someone who's thankful and being someone that prays, someone that is watchful and thankful, someone who's, who's got a message, who's got something on their hearts to share from their own lives. Said so that you may know how to answer everyone. Didn't Jesus say it that you are the salt of the earth? You and I, we're the salt of the earth. He says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, and be trampled by men. If the salt is just crystals, grains, with no flavor, what good is it? You and I, we need to be salty, but the, the right kind of salt. When we're answering people so that you may know how to answer everyone. So, praying. He begins with prayer. Praying. Praying for the message to go out from us. Praying for those open doors. Praying for the opportunities. There's one quote I read years and years ago. He said, speak to men, speak to God about men before you speak to men about God. Speak to God about men before you speak to men about God. Pray first. We don't have all the answers. We, you know, we're, we, we don't have it. But if we talk to God and ask for those opportunities, I believe he will do it. So, so as we close here today, maybe there's one person that you can think of. One person that you can think of that's close to you or, or not even close to you. Just one person that you can think of that you can pray for. And as we close in prayer, I want you to think and pray for that person that God would somehow use you in their life. 
that God would open a door for you to, to just be a vessel and share with them something about the love of God, the love of Jesus. Can you do that while we pray? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come before you right now and we, we thank you for your word. It's powerful. I pray that that word would get into our hearts, Lord. Not the stories, not the experiences of men, but, but the words of God, the words that you gave to us. That you would uh, burn them into our hearts and our minds, our spirits, and that we would apply them to our lives, God. But Father, we want to take advantage of what we see here too is that, and, and make application that Paul prayed for those open doors and, and we're thinking now about people in our lives and, and, and pray for that opportunity. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody that really needs to hear about the love of Jesus. I pray, we pray, Lord, for that open door, that you'd open the door, that that you open doors. We don't have to hit it with a, a battering ram. But that you'd open the door and that we would, we would have the courage and the boldness to seize the moment and not let fear seize us. Give us those words to speak, Lord. Father, I pray maybe there's someone here today who needs to hear, who's been listening, who, who they're the person sitting here today. Maybe it's you that need to pray for that love of God in your own life and your heart. Today is a day that you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You've heard about him. And today you can ask him into your life and get to know him personally. And all you need to do is open up and say, please come in. Please come into my life. Open, I open the door of my heart and my life and ask you to come in and to, to do a work in me and change me and save me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead, defeating death. Father, hear the the prayers of, of any that might be praying that this morning here today and bless them bless them change them give them a brand new life a brand new start Father we pray for our church Lord that, that this church as we as we just seek to share the message of God's word God's love that it would it would go forth I thank you for uh, the opportunities that we have, Lord, I pray for not just Sunday morning, but I pray for, for Thursday nights where we teach the word at the, with the men and the women in the youth group, for Wednesday nights, uh, for, for all the other opportunities that we have to proclaim your word, Lord. May we be known as a place that is faithful to the word, consistent in the word. We pray for the radio ministry where the word goes out every single day. We pray for our website that, that is, is available with uh, teachings from the Bible and videos now as well, Lord, that you would open up opportunities to use those to reach people with the word of God, Lord. We pray for a boldness and that you would open doors, that these messages would go forth to let people know that you love them. They would be clear and understandable as they should be. Father, give us more opportunities, we pray, Lord. Prepare us to be what you want us to be and to do what you want us to do. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?